good advice. Seems as though the Supreme Court these days are clearly not minding theirs. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a job for the stark fist of removal. <laughs> Greetings, friends. And don't get any on you. Welcome in to uh, this, indeed, the 227th edition of Fusebox, uh, literally entitled Blue Perfect Pucker. And uh, we'll get into all that shortly. I am your linguistically enhanced for greater lies per minute host, Mark Rose. And over there, the erudite grand vizier of the volume pot, Milt Keynes, everybody. Why, thank you kindly. Uh, oh, man, you, you got a little son. Huh? <laughs> yeah, a little son, yeah. Mm-hmm. Charbroiled, I'd say, but yeah, 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 I did. Yeah, well, it? Well, uh, yes, actually. And, and and let me fill in our friends here on the uh, backstory uh, very briefly. Uh, I had the good fortune to attend the Waterfront Blues Festival the other day. Uh, this is an event yeah. that has been going on in Portland for 36 years and uh, runs typically for four days, sometimes even five days, and uh, has attracted some of the finest names in blues actually, to be accurate, but other musical variations therein. Um, you know, I was out there one year. Yeah? Um, I, I think it was the show with uh, Dr. John and a bunch of folks from uh, New Orleans. Yeah, it was It was just after that uh, Katrina hurricane wiped everybody out. A lot of folks from there uh, ended up in the Portland area for a while, too. Yeah, yeah it was a great show. I, I really dug that it. That one I remember. Hell, we may have been at the same show that year. Well, imagine that. I, I probably sat right near you, blocking out your view of the stage. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, uh, speaking of that, I've uh, I've gone to, uh, oh, I don't know how many of those shows through the years, six, eight, nine, I don't know. And, and not once did I ever run into someone I knew. Well, that might be because no one really wants to be seen with you. Oh, well, you know, that's true. <laughs> Seriously, there are thousands of people attending this thing every year from all over the place. You know, some traveling in from other states, you know, typical things with uh, long running festivals. So I took a break from uh, going to this thing a few years back because, well, it was getting a wee crowded for me, you know. I'm delighted for the success of the festival, but it, it offered... Um, just a bit too much humanity for me. And uh, even though uh, these are probably the nicest folks you'd want to spend uh, time with and be surrounded by at a thing like this. Uh, yeah, I, I don't do the big crowds anymore. I mean, uh, sometimes more than one person is uh, too much for me. Well, I'm sure Marcy will have a thought or two on that idea. Yeah? Who? <laughs> So, I made an exception this year. Um, wasn't going to do the uh, four or, you know, like I said, sometimes even five-day event, because that's a big commitment these days. And uh, 
The weather is、uh, particularly nice for this stretch. Sunny. Real sunny. And in the 80s. Which is okay, because you have that breeze off the river, which can、uh, help to offset、uh, any true、uh, summertime heat. Yeah, but not the rays, bro. Correct. Yeah, you, you, you need to slather on the sunscreen because this is typically a 10 to 12 hour event per day. So,、uh, it, it, and, and it does work like a, a well oiled machine over there. I will say that. There, there are four stages, but the、uh, two main stages are at opposite ends of this waterfront area. And you can just plop yourself down in the middle somewhere. And because of the video screens, you can get a, an onstage perspective、uh, pretty nicely. Well, that's kind of a new thing, yeah? Yeah, because when I was first going there, they didn't have that feature、uh, either. But evidently, in the last few years, they have added additional screens, and、uh, you can really see the stage performances clearly,、uh, which, by the way,、uh, are set up like clockwork. When one stage concludes, boom, the next one fires right up. Yeah, that was cool. I, I noticed that too. Kind of nonstop performances, man. Yeah, yeah. So, as I mentioned, I, I was going to make、uh, an exception this time and attend because of the headliner on that particular day specifically. And、uh, I had first seen this chap in、uh, 1970 at the Ann Arbor Blues Festival. And、uh, at the time, I had never heard of him. If I'm remembering back to those、uh, d- very, very dim times, <laughs> I was going to go、uh, see this guy out of Texas who had just started to set the blues world on fire Johnny Winter and also Luther Allison, who were、uh, big favorites of mine at the time. But the second Buddy Guy took the stage, I was just simply an instant fan. I mean, this guy's. Passion and, and just plain wonderful sense of humor and、uh, playing style. He, he's, a, he's, a st- he's got a stunt guitar thing going on. He's a legend for it,、uh, playing with his teeth behind his head, using various articles as picks like drumsticks, mic stands,、uh, even hand towels. By the way, doing these things as early as the late 50s and 60s. And、uh, as a side note, f- for the longest time, the word was that、uh, none of Buddy's albums really captured the true excitement of, of his live performances, which, you know, can be true with a lot of performers, but in Buddy's case, it's really, really true. I said, why you were slipping out? Someone else was slipping in! Uh, the man who inspired Jimi Hendrix, and Hendrix said that himself, is an international blues treasure and、uh, was doing a farewell tour at the age of 86 and、uh, still killing it out there.、Uh, th- that clip right there that we heard、uh, was from the 1994 album Slippin' In, which,、uh, although it sounds like it, it did not feature a live audience.、Uh, That was just a grouping of singers and band members that were interacting during the recording of that piece to give it a really <laughs> memorable feel there.
So anyway, I just wanted to see him at least one more time. And he was at the end of the day, of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah. So a solid day of sun tended to uh, cook me pretty good. But uh, let me say, uh, there was uh, an unexpected additional benefit to this performance that uh, was clearly in the works for a while, but only announced that evening. A city proclamation was unveiled marking July 3rd as Buddy Guy Day in Portland, Oregon, which was pretty damn cool. He's not even from here, right? (laughs) No. He's born in Louisiana and then, of course, uh, moved to uh, become a pillar of the Chicago blues scene. Uh, Needless to say, it was a uh, memorable performance and certainly historic He's got a thing for Portland audiences, and it was evident that night. You know, I've seen videotaped uh, shows of other performances he's done around the country, and no, 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 no. He's got a little extra wink and a nod for this town. Well, I'd say take a bath in aloe or something, because you kind of look like a stack of rare roast beef in there. (laughs) (laughs) So is that why I'm having this unnatural desire to lay down in a giant Kaiser roll? Well, follow your bliss, bro. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, we shall return and uh, delve into the plu-perfect puckering and other assorted musings. So stay with us, friends, aren't we? Take care of yourself and come back soon. TheFuseBoxShow.com Welcome back, friends. Oh, I wanted to make mention of uh, another fun musical thing that just happened as well with a colleague of ours on the... Onsug channel. That's O-N-S-U-G dot com. Um, and say a program hosted by a, uh, a friend of ours, Brett Berman, also known as PQ Ribber, called The Appreciator, which uh, endeavors to discuss stuff that, uh, well, quite frankly, just jazzes Brett and uh, hopefully everybody else as well. So I had noticed that on one previous program, early on in his series, he was featuring the work of another colleague that uh, we at Fusebox here had worked with numerous times, uh, a chap named Jimbo. Truly a -a one-of-a-kind character this guy was. Um, I say was because uh, he left us in 2017 as a result of um, an ongoing health condition, and uh, we all miss him a lot around here. Uh, he, He did... Some fun, fun, crazy stuff with us back in the day. Oh, man, the interviews he did with us were hilarious. Uh, he was a great sport. Always went the extra mile for anything we threw at him, man. That he surely did. And and if you want to uh, catch those interviews uh, he did with us in one nice, tidy little place, check out The Appreciator on onsug.com. Yeah, and those would be episodes 21 and 22 of The Appreciator. We'll have a link to those shows in the show notes for you. Yeah, so in in that show, Brett happened to mention that, you know, it sure would be a hoot and a holler to do an Appreciator show with me on Zappa. 
as we're both fans. Yeah, so that took, what, what, what nine seconds for a response from you? <laughs> no, I think it was more like 11 seconds because I was getting out of the shower. Yeah, good times. Yeah. So I contacted Brett and said, hell yeah, let's do that. And we did. And if you check out appreciator number 24, you can hear it all. And uh, we had fun. Yeah. So much, in fact. <laughs> We're planning a rather ambitious task, friends. Mm-hmm. And not for the squeamish or faint of heart. We're going to, periodically, chat about each officially released Zappa album in order of release. So that means you're just going to retire and just do that from here on out. Is that it? I mean, he's got what, 700 albums? Oh, no, no, no. And, and I said official releases, too. These would be the, uh, what could be considered the canon, I guess you could call it. Still a bunch in there. But uh, we shall do it methodically, uh, starting with Freak Out and Absolutely Free. Well, I'll go get the oxygen tank and intravenous feeding tubes ready, because, uh, b- brother, you're going to need it. Oh, but what a delightful way to exhaustate oneself. Anyway, uh, we'll keep you posted on that. And uh, just to give you a, a sample of uh, what Brett and I did on uh, his uh, show there, here is a very brief excerpt of the conversation we had on uh, the Zappa Appreciator episode. Uh, wait, wait, wait a minute, though. Wait. G- go ahead. What? You know. No. No, just go. You know you want no, to. No, I, I mean... I, no, come on. No, 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 no. No, look. You, you know you want to push the button. Go on, Mr. Keynes. Go no, ahead. No, look, I'm just sitting here. What are you talking about? Nerd alert. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. But be that as it can't. Here's an excerpt from uh, The Appreciator number 24 with Brett Berman and uh, yours truly. You know what? You're bad. You're just very <laughs> bad, Mr. Kane. Many know the man's name and have no idea what he did. None whatsoever. Don't, None. You know? And it's... Or they have this impression of him, some wild guy who, you know, bites the heads off chickens on stage or does something bizarre. And it's so weird because he never did anything. Oh, he did weird things on stage. Oh, he but, did. But never like that. You know? No, and he was one of the bands in that time. I mean, everybody else had flower power and doing all these, you know, recreational substances. Yes. And about as much as he got into recreational substances, from what I can see, was the beer at the end of everything. That's exactly right. As a matter of fact, let me play this. Okay. This is Frank Zappa from the Mothers of Invention. Hi, want to die? Start today. Use a little speed. You got five years. Rot your mind, rot your heart, rot your kidneys, kukaracha. A public service announcement of the Do It Now Foundation. Now, do you remember that spot? Because I do. And this was late 60s, early 70s. And I thought for, I guess everybody thought, why is this guy an... He's talking, you know, I wasn't a speed user, but yeah. I think everybody kind of imagined that anybody that was in that world was going to be deep into that, you know, yeah. stuff. And he also said speed will turn you into your parents. 
That's right. That's another one of those same spots, same same organization. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> he knew who he was talking to. Yeah, uh, and and vehemently against it, and of course never allowed it in his in his bands or. Uh, yeah, no, that's like why that. that's kind of how we got Little Feet. He threw the potheads out of the band and the druggies, <laughs> and they put together Little Feet. <laughs> True, it was nineteen sixty nine. Oh my God, Laurel George, Laurel George, yeah, just a great loss there too. But yeah, just no, no, no patience for that kind of stuff. And, and and you know, I mean, you look at the kind of material the guy was recording the the time signature shifts the. The multiple genres within one piece of music—you—you you had better be on your your A game if you're going to play this kind of stuff. Well, he caught me. I was probably six or seven years old, and my older cousins had the Freakout album. Yeah. So for me, I didn't know what a time <laughs> signature was, <laughs> and it wasn't till much later that I real—I just had these songs in my head, and I didn't ever until I started playing music and tried to play it mm -hmm. had any understanding that he wasn't just playing it's normal time it, it yeah Pretty nerd enhanced, bro. Guilty as charged. And a fun romp that was. I, I hope uh, informative and entertaining, too, for those uh, both uh, Zappophiles and uh, just the uh, mildly curious. Seriously, if I'm honest and I'm not working for tips, for me, he, he was just a little too out there. Yeah. But, I, but, you know, hey, I get why folks dig him musically. Yeah, he, he was amazing, bro. Well, you you know, you're not alone, Mr. Keynes. Many share that opinion, and uh, as Frank has said, and has been quoted on this show many, many, many times, he wrote and performed the music for the people that liked it. Roger that. Yeah. So, uh, more on this Zappa album uh, rundown thingy uh, as it develops. Okay. So, our show's title, Plue Perfect puckering is uh, referring to our remarkably strange, uh, obtuse, and a little stupid on the side language, specifically the uh, English language, which is uh, analogous to a quilt made by someone tripping on mushrooms in many cases. Oh, so that's why this language stuff makes absolutely no sense to me. I'm not taking enough mushrooms. Now, friends, I'm not suggesting at all that psychotropic plants will aid your understanding of our English language, but uh, can we can we just look at a few things for a moment here? Have you ever had this experience where you're reading something and uh, come across a word that you, you just don't recognize? Now, the first thing that happens is that we probably try to work out how it might sound. And this is where it gets murky. Let's do... Here, here's an example for you. Take the word... Segway. That sounds simple. Segway. Should be easy, right? Yeah, no. There's a Q in there somewhere, right? And probably a four. Might as well be. Spelled S-E-G-U-E. -E. It looks like seg -U. Okay, 
So it's no doubt derived from a, a foreign language or, or something related. But the point is, there's no way to know that until you hear it pronounced correctly. There are no accents, special characters or indicators of any kind in our language to uh, direct you to the correct way to say something, as there are actually in most other languages, particularly uh, European languages, which, um, you know, you've seen them. They employ little uh, characters that might uh, adapt the actual pronunciation of a letter. Like that letter C with the little hook-looking thing on the bottom. Right. It says that you should use the SH sound in some cases, or a CHA sound. There are a bunch of examples, but but take, for instance, (laughs) these three words. These are my faves. Tough, cough, dough. (laughs) Bingo! (laughs) (laughs) Right? If you were learning English, this would be positively baffling. How the hell do you know this unless you've heard it pronounced and then committed it to memory? It, you know, it's one thing to have a word that you don't recognize and then struggle to decipher how to pronounce it, but another level of hell altogether when you have three, maybe even four, if you count the word plow in that uh, tangled mess of preferences, that are spelled the same, all pronounced differently. And who determined this, by the way? Well, a deeper dive into all this revealed some um, interesting things. In 1906, that's how far back this goes, the Simplified Spelling Board, yes, that's a real thing, it was founded in the United States, um, and the original uh, members of this SSB consisted of authors and professors and dictionary editors, But among the luminaries in this group, there was one Andrew Carnegie. He's a founding member of this thing. And he supported the SSB with yearly bequests of reportedly more than $300,000. Yeah, probably wiped out his petty cash, but uh, he had the scratch for that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, indeed. Well, in April 1906, the SSB published a list of 300 words, which included 157 spellings, that were already in common use in American English. In August of 1906, the SSB uh, word list was officially adopted by Theodore Roosevelt, who ordered the government printing office to start using them immediately. However, in December of 1906, the U.S. Congress passed a resolution and the old spellings were reintroduced. Nevertheless, some of the spellings survived and are commonly used uh, today. Now, take, take a word like anemia, which uh, we would spell now as A-N-E-M-I-A, but back then it was A-N, and then that little strange symbol with the A and the E kind of squished together. Yeah, that's how it was originally spelled. And then the word mold, which was spelled back then, M-O-U-L-D, was translated to what it is now, which is M-O-L-D. Others, such as the word mixed, which we spell these days as M-I-X-E-D, was apparently suggested to be spelled M-I-X-T, 
And Scythe, which we spell these days as S-C-Y-T-H-E, was originally going to be suggested as S-I-T-H-E. Well, those, they didn't make the cut. But uh, we can merrily jump ahead to 2013 and University of Oxford professor of English Simon Horobin proposed that variety in spelling be very acceptable. For instance, he suggested that it doesn't matter whether words such as accommodate and uh, tomorrow are spelled with double letters. You wanted to replace them with sevens? No, no. Actually, he, he just said, do, a, do away with them entirely. Uh, but that didn't go over too well with the uh, dictionary folks. So there has been a debate. Uh, maybe a discussion in the hushed chambers of a library somewhere. Yeah. That spelling reform would make it easier to, to uh, learn to read or to spell and, and certainly to pronounce words, thereby making it more useful for international communication. You know, uh, reducing educational budgets and or enabling teachers and learners to spend more time on uh, more important subjects or, uh, or, or expand the subjects they're already uh, learning or teaching. Here, here. Yeah. So another argument is just the sheer amount of resources that are wasted using the current spelling. For example, cut spelling can reduce spelling up to 15%. Now, according to that figure, for every 100 letters being used on a daily basis, there are 15 letters being used unnecessarily. Kind of sounds like middle management. Sorry. Uh, that amounts to 15 pages for every 100 pages of a book, or about one in seven trees. Got you nervous yet? Yeah. Well, this applies to virtually all aspects of daily living, you know? Shopping receipts, office documents, newspapers, magazines, and even, yes, even internet traffic. Well, the less I have to type, the better, Jeebus. Hell yes. So, evidently... There has been some progress in this area, even though it, uh, it may not seem <laughs> nearly as wide a change as we'd like or as fast. There are many words that were once spelled um, unphonetically but have since been reformed right in front of our eyes. For example, Mr. Keynes, did you know that the word music was spelled M-U-S-I-C-K? until the 1880s, and fantasy was spelled P-H-A-N-T-A-S-Y until the 1920s. Puffunny about that. Well, and also, for a pretty long time, almost all words with the O-R ending, words like error, were once spelled with O-U-R, so error would be E-R-R-O-U-R. And pretty much all the words with the E-R ending, like the word uh, member, for instance, were once spelled R-E. Yeah, you know, like like the word theater or theater spelled with the R-E. As a matter of fact, I have to hit the keyboard with a hammer to make it type T-H-E-A-T-R-E. You know, that's very curious to me that you would be typing that particular spelling of the word, Mr. Keynes. Well, I do have my moment. Yeah. So, uh, apparently, in the last uh, 
250 years since uh, Samuel Johnson prescribed how words ought to be spelled. Oh, so it's his fault. Uh, Clearly. Well, uh, since that time, the pronunciations of hundreds of thousands of words have uh, gradually changed, and the uh, alphabetic principle in English has uh, gradually become uh, (laughs) corrupted. The uh, argument is that if we wish to keep English spelling uh, regular, then spelling needs to be amended to account for the changes. And I don't mean adding words like prolly <laughs> to, the, to the lexicon. <laughs> so this, uh, <laughs> this practice of reduced spelling is uh, currently used on uh, Internet platforms, of course. And, and, and it's, nat- it's the natural way to go when you're uh, text uh, messaging. You know, some of the rules we do have have exceptions, you know, like uh, I before E, except after C, for whatever reason. The, I guess these two letters just don't get along. Well, let's not forget silent letters. Like, like one of my faves, the word xylophone. Not a Z in it to save your life. No. And virtually every word that starts with X has a Z sound first. So why not spell it? With a Z, then. Well, that's just because the alphabet mafia would have to take you out. X is a made letter, bro. Has clout, does it? Oh, hell yeah. About the only time you hear X by itself? Seriously. It's uh, when it's applied to something like X-axis or X-chromosome. Alphabet mafia, bro. We we could go on. One of my faves is that 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 ill-condition that puts a P in front of words like pneumatic. <laughs> now, most of these words, with the, with the exception of some other air-related terms, are all medical-related, like pneumatology, for instance, or pneumectomy. Pneumonia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, and th- there's another example, an air or respiratory-related thing. Or how about new? G-N-U? yeah. Yeah, another senseless spelling, Mr. Keynes. How about this? Gnosticism, anyone? No, thanks. I'm trying to cut down. Yeah, good plan. Notobiotics, but G-N-O-S-U-S is pronounced gnosis. Of course it is. (laughs) Then, of course, there's Uh, (laughs) L-Q-R-M-P-H-Z. I I don't know that. No, it's pronounced Steve. Uh, Okay, yeah, very foreign. From Pluto. Yeah. So you can see our dilemma, friends. And anyone trying to learn this language. Yeah. So it appears that this modification of our language truly has been just a long-running process. Yeah, it's kind of like a slow-moving rash. It can definitely itch as much, Mr. Keynes. Yeah. Well, the good news is that uh, there is progress, and uh, hopefully we'll see some more. And then uh, more words become more accessible in terms of spelling and uh, how to pronounce them. It just makes for a better world, doesn't it, friends? And that's what we want, don't we? We all want to be a conduit for good. And with that, we'll call it a show, but uh, not before thanking our contributor to this edition of Fusebox, Dre O'Brien, for splendid vocal ideifications. Thanks as well to the intermediate man of mystery, the Archbishop of Amplitude, 
Milt Keynes for technical assistance and dictionary wrangling. Yeah, pleasure as always. <laughs> and uh, folks, if you haven't as yet subscribed and uh, just liked the hell out of the show, wherever you may have found it, uh, please do so. And uh, that'd be really great. Be most appreciated. As would taking the one small step for human and one giant step for us into uh, terms of sustaining this fine production, go ahead and sign up as a Patreon supporter. It uh, gets you free swag, early show access, and a place where secrets of the universe will be revealed. You just go to patreon.com forward slash the Fusebox show and sign up. You know, I bet you spend more on cocktail umbrellas per month than what it'll cost you to help us out. And seriously, how entertaining was that last batch of cocktail umbrellas? I mean, really. We thank you, friends, for pushing play on this edition of the program because we know there is uh, just a lot of crap. <laughs> now, now, Mr. Gaines, we are professionals. Really? Well, that's what it says on the back of my shirt, anyway. So thanks for choosing us as your momentary companion. We do so appreciate your company. I have been your preparing a nice raspberry vinaigrette dressing for your word salad host, Mark Rose, saying, until our next cartoon. Fuse box.